It is good to be here on a Mother's Day Sunday. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. <laughs> uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Ruth. Uh, I trust I won't be before you too long today. Either way, you're hour, you'll get out an hour earlier than you did two years ago. Because <laughs> last year, <laughs> you were at home. And, uh, but God, isn't God been good? Amen. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. God has been good to us. Today, we want to focus our attention on the idea, with it being Mother's Day today, the increasing a mother's fear. Fear. S P H E R E. I know when I speak, I get words, I can say multiple words that sound the same. I'm not saying fear, I'm saying sphere. Uh, we want to increase in a mother's fear of influence, her sphere of influence. In other words, we want to just talk about a mother increasing her range, her area, her dominion, her. Just increasing her influence with others all around. As you're turning there in chapter 1 of the book of Ruth, we're going to look in verses 14 through 16. But it's amazing how the sphere of influence a mother, how far a sphere of influence a mother can actually reach. Uh, because of a Christian mother, uh, for any Christian mother, she should desire to have an influence on anyone that their children are spending time with. Uh, you all know we only have one child, that one that was just up here. And we've been blessed in having one child. I heard a mother say that she wished she would have had more than one. And I, I don't know, Iola might at times wish she had had more than one. There's never been a day in my life where I've wished I had more than one. <laughs> I got used to I got used to it being quiet around the house until she became a teenager and she started bringing friends over to our house. And I'm, I'm asking, why is it our house? You know, uh, I'm, I'm a pastor. Why do they want to come to our house? Uh, did they, are they thinking that preacher's kids are just rough and rugged and, and mean kids and they're just hanging out with her for that? But why is it that they're coming to our house? But that's where it seemed that they ended up. And I'm glad they did. At least we got to have some control over things while it was in our house. And what I learned is that we were able to have an influence on many of the girls who came to our house. Now, Iola had a lot more influence than I did. I, I tried to scare them. But I, Iola would, would, would be in such a way with these girls that they are comfortable now that they're all grown. They'll come, if Taylor's not at home, they'll come and sit and talk with Iola. If Taylor's not at home, they'll bring their clothes and they'll wash their clothes and sit and talk with Iola. Uh, they, they're just comfortable there. As a matter of fact, one in particular, which I, what Taylor would say, uh, she's coming. Lex is coming. We knew Lex is bringing a bag. She's married. We know she's bringing a bag. And and she, when Taylor would get up early the next morning and go to wherever she needed to go, Lex was still in bed. And Lex got up when Lex got ready to get up. And she took a shower when she got ready. And she eached her way out of the house when she was ready. It was home to her. It was, and it was home because of the influence that we were able to have on her. 
Two of these girls, wow, I mean, we've been blessed. Two of these girls are now married and they have a child of their own. And these two girls call us their other mom and dad. You know, I like that because that means I got two other grand, I'm, I'm the grandparent to two other boys. There's two little boys less than a year old that we're their other grandparents. And that's, that, that's okay with me. The sad thing is one of them's in New York right now. We're just waiting on him to come home. But we get pictures and we, we get messages. And, and it, it's a good feeling to know that we can have that kind of influence on other kids. We might have had only one biological daughter. But we've increased the sphere of our influence through this one daughter. Because of those that she spent time with. Maybe that's because of the family environment that they saw with us. Or maybe, and I would hope it would be because of the faith that we displayed before them. But either way, we've been able to increase our sphere of influence. And we've been blessed by it. You know, today we can see in this text just how far... Our families and our faith can increase the sphere of our influence. Now, you're going to have to keep an open mind with me today. Keep an open mind and just think as we're going through the text. If you know anything about the history of the book of Ruth, this may stretch you a little bit, but just stay with us. Um, When we look here in these verses, in verses 14 through 16, in the first chapter of Ruth, the Bible says, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people And to her gods, return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to go back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for the opportunity. That we can have influence over others. God, as we have this influence, help us to be in a place where our influence would be godly. To where it would positively impact lives of others. Teach us through your message what you would have us to know today. And help us, God, to live out your word in a way that would be pleasing and honorable to you. And God, if there's one today who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, let this day be the day that they say, I want your God to be my God. The Christ that you follow, I'm going to follow. Help us, God, to be that kind of influence to them. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. When we come to this text, we, it's titled Ruth. It's, it teaches us a lot about this daughter-in-law that Naomi had. Naomi, she was the wife of Emelech. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, forgive me. If you can't, that's okay. Uh, but, but she is the wife of this Jewish man, Emelech. He lived during the days of the judges. 
Now, during the time in which he lived, uh, there was a famine in the land of Judah. And due to the famine, Elimelech got the bright idea which to run away from the people of God, to run away from the house of God and take his family into a pagan land. He takes them to a place called Moab. It was located just across the Jordan River. Uh, It was east of the promised land. It was a place that was inhabited by the descendants of Moab. Moab was the uh, son of the immoral relationship between Lot and one of his daughters. Moab was, the, was a group of people who fought, who attacked the Israelites as they were coming from the, the wilderness into the promised land. The, Mo, the Moabites were people who were cursed by God for several generations. And this man takes his family into a place where, with a proud people who were known for lawlessness, who were known for immorality, who were known to be, to be a brutal violence. Now, can you imagine a Jewish man carrying his family into a pagan field area just such as this? There had to be something awful going on in the land in which he left. And for Emelik to leave a place like Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, to go to this place of immorality, it had to be bad in the house of bread. Well, the Bible teaches us in the 17th chapter of Judges that Israel was filled at this time with lying, stealing, cheating, selfishness, greed, covetousness, unbelief, idolatry. In chapter 19 in Judges, until we find that Israel was filled with immorality, drunkenness, extreme prejudice, discrimination, homosexuality, sexual perversion, brutal violence, lawlessness, and murder. In chapter 20, the Bible teaches us in Judges that the, the Israel was filled with division, they were filled with disgrace, and they were filled with murder. In chapter 21 of Judges, the Bible teaches us that it was filled with Uh, deception and the abuse of human rights. I would say evil had saturated Israel during this time of the judges. This shameful, wicked behavior was due to one fact and the fact was that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Aren't you glad God is still holding the reins? Aren't you glad that he hasn't turned us loose to ourselves? Because if he'd turned us loose to who we really are then we would be as evil as why we can imagine it being in the Bible. Here evil had saturated Israel in these days. Twice we find in the book of Judges in chapter 17 and verse 6 also in chapter 21 and 25 we find it recorded in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And with all this going on, Elimelech took his family away from Israel and headed to Moab to escape the famine that was in the land. Now, while in Moab, Elimelech dies. Now, they had two sons, he and Naomi. And Naomi is left with these two sons. And these two sons done what sons most sons not all sons but most sons do they got married 
And they married women of that area. They married Moabite women. And about 10 years later, these sons die. So now we see Naomi, her husband has died. Now both her sons have died. She's now a widow and what appears on the surface to be left motherless. Now having no husband and having no sons, being a stranger in a foreign land really did not appeal to Naomi very much. So when she heard that the famine had been lifted, when she heard that there was bread now in Israel, she prepared to go back home. And we know how that story goes. Naomi tries to convince her daughter-in-laws to go back to their home, to go back to their mothers. And after a little persuasion, we find that one daughter-in-law, Orpah, she kisses Naomi and says goodbye. But Ruth, the other daughter-in-law, she clung to Naomi. It appears here that Naomi's fear of influence went beyond her two sons. Now, we, we've got to look at this it, 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 because it raises questions to me. Why would Ruth cling to Naomi, choosing to follow her to a foreign land, giving up everything that she knew? There had to be something about Naomi that convinced Ruth that following Naomi would be better than going back home. There had to be something about Naomi that convinced Ruth that following Naomi was better than going back to her mother. Can you imagine that? It seems here that there was a great amount of influence that Naomi had when it come to Ruth. The Bible isn't clear. The Bible doesn't state what that influence may be. But just perhaps, as we use our imagination a little bit, just perhaps it was with Naomi that Ruth actually found what a real family was like. Let's remember, it was Naomi's husband who took his family away from Bethlehem to Moab. And while living in a male-dominated society, Naomi followed her husband, taking on the role of a nurturing mother and a loving wife. Naomi's sons married Moabite women. And all these two women knew was the pagan lifestyle that they had grew up in. The Moabites hated the Israelites. But there was something about these young men of Naomi's that, were, that was attractive to these two young women. Meeting these young men from Bethlehem, Judah, they must have been different from the other local men. Maybe they spoke a little different. Maybe they carried themselves a little different. Maybe they refused to be involved in all the evil, all the ungodly things that was going on all around them. Maybe, well, well, there, there's nothing in scripture that suggests that Emelik and his family took up the customs of the Moabites. And if not, this family must have been intriguing for these two young Moabite women. But also, when Naomi's sons chose... Listen, listen, mothers, listen to me. I know there's something about daddy and his girls, and there's something about mama and her boys. Somebody say amen. 
Somebody understands that. Somebody has to understand. There's something about mama and her boys, right? There's just, you say something to a mama's boy, and, and you got a fight on your hand. And you got to worry about daddy. Daddy will say he can take care of himself. Mama say, he ain't got to. I'm going to take care of it for him. Mama will fight over her boy, and daddy will kill over his girl. Well, here, what we find is that Naomi's sons, when they chose wives, there's nothing that suggests that Naomi was angry about the wives that they chose. There's nothing that suggests that she was disappointed in her son's choices of wives. Nothing suggests that because these women were not Israelites, that Naomi felt that they were not good enough for their sons. You hear me, mothers? You hear me? As a matter of fact, we can listen to the emotion of this encounter that's taking place in verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. That had to be an emotional time, a highly emotional time. This would suggest that Naomi had embraced these women as part of her family. This would suggest that she had treated them as if they were her very own daughters. This would suggest that they loved her. Perhaps the women found a real family that would love one another and at the same time accept one another even when they didn't approve of what one another's decisions were. That might be why Ruth said in verse 16, entreat me not to leave you or turn my back from following after you for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Ruth was convinced that Naomi loved her. Ruth was convinced that Naomi wanted to, to have an impact on her life. Ruth was convinced that no matter that her husband is now dead, she could follow this woman and be a daughter to this woman because this woman wanted to be a mother to her. Here, it just appears to me that perhaps Ruth found a real family. Any mother who would like to increase her sphere of influence would do well to teach her children that no matter where you are, no matter how God forsaken it may be, you honor God with your life. This is done in the way that we carry and we present ourselves. When we commit to following Christ, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We still honor Christ just because the people in our neighborhood, the people in our schools, the people on our jobs are living wicked doesn't mean we have to live wicked. You've all heard it just because somebody's jumping off of a bridge doesn't mean you have to jump off the bridge. The Bible tells us in Luke 9 and 26 that whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the son of man, will be ashamed when he comes into his own glory and in his father's and in the holy angels. When mothers nurture and teach their kids to have enough confidence in, their, in our Lord and Savior to follow him, no matter what's going on around us, it influences those around us. Now listen, it may not do it at first. You may get a little bullied. You may get talked about. You may get avoided. You may, it may seem like, well, I'm an outcast because I'm following Christ. Just keep 
the faith. Just stand fast because after a while, it'll have an influence on at least one in the group. If you, if you refuse to curse and when everybody else is cursing, Trust me, after a while, it's going to have an influence on at least one. If you refuse to cheat when everyone else is cheating, just stand the course. Just keep the faith. Just stand steadfast because after a while, it'll have an influence on at least one other. If you refuse to drink, to do drugs, to sleep around, to do all of these ungodly things, trust me, just stand fast. Keep the faith. Eventually, it's going to influence one. And that influence will be because of the mother's influence on you. Because of what she has taught you. Folks, if we want to increase our sphere of influence, we must be able to say as the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 and 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of, of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes and for the Jew first and also the Greek. Our children must be taught to stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if we have to stand alone. Can I go a little farther before we go to the next point? We said earlier that there was no mention about Naomi's being displeased about the choices her sons made for wives. And as a Jewish mother, I can't help but believe that she wasn't thrilled at all about her boys settling down with Moabite women. But it appears instead of focusing on the fact that they were from Moab, Naomi focused on loving them and impacting their lives. So mother, some of you may not like this, but you'll increase your sphere of influence the more you accept your son's choices in wives with their faults and all. No matter what side of the tracks they're from, no matter what family their history is, no matter, uh, just love them as Christ loved you and possibly you'll influence them to become all that God has called them to be. Trust me, if your daughter-in-law becomes all that God has called her to be, your son will be happier than you could ever make him. Somebody should have said amen. Somebody's a witness of this. Somebody's mother treated their wife just as if she was their daughter and had such an influence that changed her life. And because of that, you loved your mother even more. And you loved your wife more. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of this is a hard pill to swallow. But it's the truth. Obviously. Obviously. Ruth saw something about this family. And Naomi was the main ingredient. Maybe it was with Naomi, Ruth found a real family. But perhaps it was with Naomi that Ruth found what real faith looks like. Notice in the last phrase of verse 16. <laughs> Your God, my God. Ruth said this. It would be safe to assume that all Ruth knew as it related to religion was the worship of false gods. In Moabite, the chief god of the people was Kamash. To this god, in dire circumstances, the people of Moab would worship by offering their children as a sacrifice. 
This is the environment Ruth grew up in. This is the kind of influence she had had on her life prior to meeting Naomi. And for some reason, when her mother-in-law made the decision to go back to Bethlehem, Ruth was determined to go back with her. Your God shall be my God. Perhaps during those 10 plus years of being together, Ruth watched as Naomi lived a different life than the people of Moab. Maybe she witnessed Naomi worship her God different than the people of Moab. Maybe, just maybe, Naomi spoke to Ruth about a God who would listen and a God who was faithful. What we know is that Naomi's fear of influence has now increased so that Ruth was willing to make Naomi's God her God. And when we read this story, the Bible tells us that Naomi learned that God had visited the people of Israel and he'd given them bread. So now with no husband and no son, she's going back home. But we've got to believe through through Naomi's life, it may have seemed to be in shambles. Though Naomi's life may have seemed to, to be bitter to her. Though she was wrought with great pain and distress, I've just got to believe that Naomi was holding on to the promises of God. That he would not leave or forsake his people. He, he would provide whatever it was that they needed. It appears that she felt just as God had protected her, a Hebrew woman in a pagan land, that he would protect her on her journey back home. It, her all-powerful God still had a purpose for her, and she may not have known quite well what that purpose was, but being a widow and having lost her son, she was still trusting in her God. Some of you mothers know this pain and this distress. The pain and distress of burying a husband. Some of you mothers know the pain and distress of burying a child. Some of you know the pain and the distress of both burying a husband and a child. Some of you know how hard it is to open your eyes on a day like the day. Some of you know how hard it is to place one step in front of the other on a day like today. Some of you know what it's like to hear just as Job's wife heard when Satan went to her and said just curse God and die some of you understand how hard life can be but you're still trusting God though you may not feel it by faith you know that God will never leave you nor forsake you you know he is your provider. You know he is your strength. You know he is your hope. You know he is where you find joy. How is it that you know this? For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. And because you received Jesus, his son, as your Lord and Savior, God has given you eternal life. You know no matter how you feel. You know no matter what your circumstances are. You know that God loves you. And he's going to be with you. So when it's hard to open your eyes, by faith, you trust him. So when it's hard to put one step in front of the other, by faith, you trust him. 
So when you hear Satan say to you, curse God and die, by faith you tell him, I'm a child of the king. And by faith you tell him that the king loves you. When you, therefore you have strength, you have hope and you have joy and it's all in Jesus Christ. And when you are here, you who are here, who can testify to what I'm saying, your sphere of influence has already been increased beyond what you can imagine. There are women, mothers, teenage girls who are watching you, and they're not watching you, but they're watching your faith. And when they see your faith, open your eyes. When they see your faith, take the next step. When they see your faith, rebuke Satan. They know that there's a God in heaven that will carry them through whatever comes their way. I believe Ruth saw this in Naomi. Christian mothers, continue to put your love for Christ in your family. And no matter what comes your way, continue to put your faith in Christ on display. And your sphere of influence will grow. And maybe one day, somebody will look at you and say, The God I saw in you, I've made him my God. Maybe somebody uh, pick up the phone and call you one day and, and say, because I witnessed your faith in Jesus Christ, I've now placed my faith in him. I want to tell you, Christian mothers, keep your head up, keep trusting Jesus, and keep increasing your sphere of influence. If you were here today, And you do not know Jesus. You do not know him as your Lord and Savior. My question to you. As they come to prepare for this invitation. My question for you. Who's influencing you? Are you influenced by a Christian family? Who glorifies God. No matter their circumstance. Are you influenced by a Christian family whose faith is always on display? If so, today would be a good day. Today would be a great day for you to say your God will be my God. Has every head bowed, every eyes closed? Right now, what decision are you making? Christian mothers, I encourage you to make a commitment right now to be an influence, a godly Christian influence on those that you come in contact with and especially those who spend time with your children. For unsaved mothers, unsaved women, unsaved girls. Who is it you're watching? Have they been displaying what a family looks like that you desire to have? Are they displaying a faith that you desire to have? Well, the same God who gave them their family, the same God who gave them their faith... 
He wants to give you your family. And he's already given you enough faith to trust him. Will you today? Will you today open your heart and open your mind and make the God that I've preached about your God? Make the Christ of the gospel your Savior. Jesus left heaven, come to this sin-cursed world, and gave his life for you. And if you would believe upon him, That he died for your sins and he arose on the third day. If you would confess him as your Lord and Savior and make him Lord of your life. He'll not only save you, but he'll walk with you and he'll talk with you. And he'll show you that standing fast, no matter what's going on around you, is worth it all.